What up, what up here on a Martin Luther King Day Monday reacting to everything we saw in Super Wild Card Weekend. And boy, did it deliver. And then we get the exclamation point tonight, Pearl off with mm. the Cowboys and the Bucks. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But want to update the audience on what happened this morning on social media. So obviously we know the Ravens last night played a really good closer game, I think, than anyone expected. They lose 24-17. Had chances, though, at the end, and just unfortunately, Tyler Huntley uh, and the offense, just not good enough to pull it out. But they lose 24-17 to the Bengals. Lamar Jackson did not travel with the team to Cincinnati, yeah. which is concerning because he had been traveling to other away games. Now, I know swelling in the knee sometimes, maybe doctors will advise you, don't go up 30,000 feet in the air right. in a flight or whatever. It's still like, if you really wanted to, it's not like it's that far of a car ride, you know. Yeah, if I mean, you really wanted to go to like show solidarity. Well, yeah, with the also, team. I'm not sure you want to be in a car for 15 hours with a, a bum knee. Seven hours, seven hour drive. Or you know, Lamar could just make the argument. Listen, I want to stay home and focus on rehab so I can be out there next week. He could have made that argument, but sure. he's not making those arguments. He's not <laughs> explaining his side. He's sending out very in-depth Instagram medical updates, and then this cryptic note. Okay, so this was from his Instagram story today. Quote. When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. Now, I'm, he didn't attribute this to anybody. So I don't know if this is his own words or if he's posting something like a quote from somebody. And maybe we should read into who said it. Um, again, there's not a lot. But to me, the message seems rather obvious, right? If this is, it feels like a day after a playoff loss. Right. When you are now, the season's officially over. He's officially going to be a free agent because his contract situation. Right. I mean, obviously they're going to franchise tag him. They're going to franchise tag, tag him. Like, it's not so like he's not gonna be a free done, agent. done. But it feels like if you wanted to interpret this as a message to the team, you could understand why someone would read it that way. Like, hey, right, right. you didn't, you know, meet me where I wanted to be for a contract negotiation to get this over with, and now you might be on the precipice, precipice of losing me. Yeah, absolutely. Or it also could mean you better pay up this time. Pour into the pour into that resource. Right. Maybe say come up with that two hundred fifty million dollars guaranteed this time around. Which is funny, too, because that would completely gut their salary cap and never get any wide receivers for Lamar Jackson until the end of his career. But we're not going to get... I'm not asking to be Tom Brady. Well, you know, a lot of teams, though, have to navigate around a really expensive quarterback and still that, have to find ways to well, pay other guys. If he wants to get Deshaun Watson money, then one team has to negotiate that around that. That's the Cleveland Browns yeah. in the history of the NFL. And not only was Deshaun Watson paid more than any other quarterback, he was paid way more than any other quarterback. If I mean, listen, if they pay him $250 million guaranteed, they're going to be in cap purgatory forever. Well, and I I have a hard time believing they could build a Super Bowl champion with that bill around Lamar Jackson. Well, but I always thought they could do funny things like, you know, make it a signing bonus or a this or that, and they kind of move the money around a little bit. But I agree with you. You're, gonna, you're expensive now. I mean... It, Paying these quarterbacks generally does not work. It just doesn't build Super Bowl champions. That's Listen, why so many teams win on a young, inexpensive quarterback. Totally. And then we can also point to Aaron Rodgers takes every dollar. Drew Brees took every dollar. And it's their right if they want to take every dollar. Russell Wilson just took every dollar. But it does hurt the team. Listen, I'm all for people making their money. But it does hurt 
your team when you're in a salary cap sport. I think my problem with Lamar Jackson, and it's not even a problem with him, is I fr- I'm frustrated that we don't. We're, we're always guessing on what's actually happening here. Yeah, here is this quarterback who did not doesn't have an agent, did not sign a contract last year, and there's always rumblings and reports, but none of them are precise. I think if you're a Ravens fan, you're frustrated at some point. You don't know whether to get mad at the team or the quarterback. And these cryptic social media notes are certainly not helping the situation. I, I think everybody's got to be upfront and clear here. I actually think he's going to be back in Baltimore. I think they're going to franchise tag him and keep him. Because if you're Baltimore, I'm sorry, I know Huntley looked okay last night. What else are you going to do? Of course no, you're going to keep on. Lamar Jackson. No, and I and I, honestly, like I know that you say that you know if Tua had been playing or if Lamar had been playing, maybe you're getting a different effort from the opponent too. Oh, totally. But the way that the Baltimore defense played last night, if Lamar's playing in that game, you do get the sense that all things being equal, they would have won that game. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not going there. Listen, they beat him the first time this season, you know. Yeah, so. but Joe Burrow could have sold out running the ball more too. Okay, but this was... I, it was 24-17, and the Bengals just, after that long fumble return, yeah. just shut it down. They didn't, they weren't even really doing much after that. They were playing very conservatively. Yeah, I mean, but listen, they were trailing in the third quarter of a playoff game. That's got to make you nervous. Uh and then, you know, ultimately they do win the game. But the crazy thing is, is we're also hearing today, Miami Dolphins coaches and management, their general manager, Chris Greer, was meeting with the media. And they assured everybody that they believe Tua is going to be 100% healthy next year. He's going to be their quarterback in 2023. And they have no reason to believe that he's more prone to concussions than any other player on a football field. Now, I mean, listen, we could get our buddy Chris Nowinski to tell us whether or not that is true. It's not that he'd be more prone. It's just one of the long-term effects of having these multiple concussions. That's for an expert to tell you. But the idea that Tua is definitely going to be back in 2023. For some reason, I'm finding that hard to buy 100%. I'm not sure about you. Well, yeah. So Schefter reported that he was fully back and starting Sunday and that they were out of, I think he was referring to Brady, that they weren't going to go in that direction. But then today, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said that if Lamar becomes available, watch out for the Dolphins. So, I mean, I think that circumstances change in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is a Southern Florida guy. If he becomes available, come on. Are you telling me, Maggie, that there's any way the Dolphins aren't interested? It seems implausible. Well, I mean, but, but here's the thing. If you're interested in Lamar Jackson, you've got to trade for him most likely to be a tag and trade. Yeah. So you got to trade and then you're going to have to give him to Sean Watson money. It's not nothing. Like it's a massive investment. And listen, I think Lamar is fantastic, but that's, it's not nothing. But they, they're not paying a quarterback now, so they can probably fit that in. I mean, they messed up with that Bradley Chubb trade. They could have used that first round pick. Yeah. And Chubb is not one of the better. Came through line yesterday with a nice play. Yeah, but, but most of the game was a, a was basically put yellow crime sheen on Twitter around Bradley <laughs> Chubb's performance. He was not playing well yesterday. They should not have given up that first round pick. Yeah, I don't buy. It. I I don't believe it's done. I really just don't. And I don't even believe. I definitely don't believe that he's not as uh, more susceptible to concussions and any other NFL player. That doesn't ring true, does it? Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess I get what he's saying. Any player who steps onto the football field, I think, puts themselves at a certain degree of risk. It just but, feels like Tua's smaller. And but no, no, no. We know concussions are progressive. That, that, that's well, the most that, obvious fact. So you can't say that any player who's gotten one before has a much higher risk statistically than anybody else. 
I don't know how he can say that with a straight face and like really sell that. I think what he was trying to say is that anytime you step on the field, whether it's you or me, whether I've had three concussions and you've had none, we both are susceptible to them. But I, like, or we're both like at the same risk of getting concussed well, again. We we obviously know. I mean, you any well, any basic NFL fan knows that's not true. And well, and just that the repeated hits to the head, just the cumulative effect that they have, you know, is devastating as we've seen. So well, concussions are progressive. The, every one you have makes the next one more likely. They're like divorces. Actually, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have looked at the stats, but if you get divorced once and get remarried, you're yeah. much more likely to get divorced again. <laughs> Sorry. Is it funny? Do you still feel like you're create you know the same kind of you know fogginess and stuff like that yeah, that yeah. get associated with yeah. concussions? Also get associated yeah. with multiple. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know some people. Headaches. You I know, know some people dizziness. think they were in the middle of a blackout when they <laughs> chose <got> their <laughs> prospective partners. So I think the two topics weirdly relate. It's funny. It's like you're watching the wedding video. You're like, I remember none of that. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. listen, Tua obviously has had. Th- there's no doubt he had three concussions this year. That back injury thing is. Still Still stupid. So this is just another, to me, another stupid comment on Tua. I think he's going to live to regret this because I do think Tua is more susceptible. Also, he's small, which adds to it. part of it. Yeah, I'm just too nervous about the guy. I would look at somebody. Derek Carr. Give me Derek Carr. Give me Tom Brady. Give me Lamar Jackson. Sorry. Give me everybody the Jets are rumored to want. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, the last time that the Jets of Miami were, you know, battling for for a player, Tyree Kill, we know who we picked. (laughs) <laughs> good, good point. Right. The, the, Miami can bring the weather up and, and win this battle. And, uh, the state taxes or whatever. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. If you have a thought on Lamar Jackson's future, I saw that first quote and I was like, he gone. It, it's one of those things where I feel like now we've seen enough of this playbook, so to speak. Like when a player is not happy, it's like cryptic post, next step, scrub the social media of everything related to the team. Third step, say something on a podcast or do something where you kind yep. of explain why the team's the bad guy here and you're the good guy. Tag and trade. And then, like, you know, GQ slash Sports Illustrated slash Esquire magazine spread <laughs> about yeah. why you're, this is your exactly. new chapter. And you're, Love like, it. wearing capri pants. You know? Love it. Yeah. 855-2124-CBS. They're always wearing capri pants. Yes. And, and then the next step after that is winning the Jets a Super Bowl. Oh, there you go. No, you know what? If, if it's the Jets, then he's got to be posing in the Joe Namath. Like, they got to get in the fur coat like they did with Revis that one yes. time that SI did and do the Broadway yes. Joe, mm. replicate the magazine cover from all those years ago. Yeah, and by the way, if he signed with the Jets, I mean, there's no way anything could go wrong with that. That no. doesn't sound like a <laughs> recipe for disaster. Not at New all. New Jets, baby. The Jets quarterbacks, <laughs> I mean, they've really solved that position through the years, and it, this would just be another <laughs> step to just becoming QB franchise yeah. number one. Namath, Vinny, Pennington, Lamar. Love it. <laughs> wow. Well, quite about Rushmore you got going on. Pennington. <laughs> you know, I put Ryan Fitzpatrick on there. How dare you? You know my joke Nagel, about Chad Pennington. He's the first guy to win back-to-back comeback player of the year awards. <laughs> 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 he was always up for comeback player of the year, but he was always leaving with a torn shoulder. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm sure the Jets. Who's their offensive coordinator again? Right, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. The job's currently vacant. Uh, our buddy Sean is in Oregon. Sean, you're already looking ahead to tonight. How do you feel? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to do pretty well, and I think this might be Tom Brady's last playoff game, you guys. This might be like the beginning of the very end for him. 
And, uh, you know, the quarterbacks, I mean, look what happened through this weekend. You know, like a lot of these teams have uh, quarterback issues and questions. And and look what some of these youngsters did. I mean, it, it, yep. it, was, it was boggling. I mean, look at, like the biggest to me is, is the, the Purdy for, for the Niners. I mean, have we ever seen Mr. Irrelevant, a uh, third-string quarterback, do something we, what I saw? That was just, to me, I just couldn't believe what I saw there. Sean, he's turned a lot of heads, and he's basically one of the best stories of the season. And thank you for the call. Good luck to your Cowboys tonight. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. But I think he's not – he is getting credit, but, like, not the full Kurt Warner situation because the team around him is already so good. But what Purdy's doing is is nothing short of incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd get a movie out of this, don't you think? At least a Netflix series, right? Yeah, or uh, – A limited short, like a six-episode something? It, you're right, because there is this perception that all he has to do is throw a short pass and his crazy good receivers are going to take it to the house. I would be very curious, and obviously we're never wishing for injuries around here, but I would just be really curious to see what this looks like without McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, listen, Eliza Mitchell is back. Here's the thing. Their biggest strength is none of those things. It's the fact that if you get into a passing situation, you have to figure out what to do with Nick Bosa, and that's really hard. Because if you put two is probably not enough. If you put a third guy on it, then there's some other killer up front. The Niners' defense is amazing. I know that Gino looked pretty good in the first half. But that's the strength of their game, too. We forget that. Well, there's it's if you're somebody who can get the ball out in like a .2 seconds kind of thing, you know, like that Brady, how he just gets the ball out so fast, then I think you have a shot against the Niners. But then you got like Hufanga back there, and those guys oh, are yeah. so good. But you can maybe throw on them a little. That's your only shot because you're not running on them. Yeah, uh, my guy Andy Dalton had a nice game against him. He just got rid of, threw a bunch of eight-yard passes. They couldn't get in the end zone at all. I don't think they scored. They they lost thirteen nothing, but he completed like ninety percent of his passes. <laughs> the problem is also That's a classic the, Andy Dalton. Game. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a totally Andy Dalton line. But they they bend, don't break. They do not let you in the end zone. Uh, that being said, DK Metcalf looked pretty good. If you have one of him, that helps. He always helps. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Is this true? We got two people named Terry on the line. Is that a, is that a typo? All right, let's go to first Terry's in San Francisco. Terry, how are you? Terry, are you there? Terry going once. Try the other Terry. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, Terry. Terry in California. Oh, hi. Okay. Terry number two hi. came through. What's up, Terry? It's probably the same one. I think so. Should a little bit of light on that tour situation. I'm a psychologist. And some of what you guys are saying is exactly true. When you get... Oh, no. Terry cut out at the absolute sure. worst time. Wait, Terry, you, you just cut out. Can you start from the beginning? You said um, what we're saying right. was partially true. Yes. So when you have one concussion, you are, I don't know, two or three times more likely to have a second. And by the time you have a second, it is almost 100% fact that you're going to have a third. Any expert, any any neurologist, psychiatrist would recommend that Tua retire. Wait, but almost a one hundred percent certainty that he will get number four. Terry, you said now, you're a psychologist, three con- right? Three so concussions, yeah, yeah. Three concussions is the magic number for long-term brain damage. Wait, so why why would you, as a psychologist, be an expert on concussions? If you don't mind me, I'm curious because isn't that something? that a medical doctor take, would do? We all, we, all take, we all take 
numerous courses in neuro neurobiology and you can go on to become a neuropsychologist and they actually are the ones that are the experts on concussion. Well, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally understand why a psychologist, you'd want to know like, the function uh, of the brain and, and how it can be totally. affected. Well, I feel like we have Terry on the line. Does anybody, can have we give you questions? a couple of questions? Yeah. Like, um, I feel like I could, could maximize daddy issues, my, mommy issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wife issues, yeah. <laughs> brother issues, <laughs> sister issues. What do you specialize in, Terry? <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're really serious. We actually wanted some psychiatric help. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you call. No, absolutely. By the way, there was a that sounded like a joke. I was immediately screaming. I'm like, all right, we got Terry on here. This is free. We don't have to go through our insurance. It's like uh, performance anxiety. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. See you guys on the phones. More people named Terry, more people who have different names. We see you all there. Plus, coming up, Pearl Off going against the grain. I'm going to tell you the real story of Super Wild Card Weekend. What a tease. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Any other psychologists welcome to call on the show to give Perloff advice. We'll take it. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. You know, the exciting endings and all the close games. Yeah. They were a lot of fun, Maggie. But my favorite part of a super wild card weekend is the minutiae. And the little fun, weird things that happen that you could either go on social media and talk about, or you could talk around the water cooler. And I felt like this weekend had a large number of, let's call them old school water cooler moments, things that were not necessarily integral to the game that really were bigger stories. Let's hit the music. Against the Grain. Okay, these are five of my biggest stories of the weekend that I think, in a way, some of them even overshadowed what happened in the games. Okay. Uh, let us start with Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Dude was vaping on the sideline. <laughs> Can we talk about Did you see this? No. If you're not aware. I watched every second of that game. I didn't see him hit a vape on the sideline. Mike McDaniel hit a vape on the sideline. Are those even allowed in the stadium? Look it up. It's one of the most incredible things you'll ever see your coach Samter, can you confirm, unless I was uh, fooled by social media, yes, he hit a vape on the sideline. Oh, my goodness. Here you guys is. did not see that? I didn't see oh it. Oh, my gosh. Twitter blew up. I, 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 it was, just I was some only random checking during the commercial break. It looked so. like he was playing with his headset, but we're pretty. We're all pretty sure he was vaping. <laughs> oh, wait. I want to I make sure that my computer doesn't. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm killing your... Uh... No, no, no. Your it's good. I, I want you I to see it. Know. I want you to see it. I mean, listen, he's what? Late 30s. This totally fits. <laughs> oh, out. wait. That's not obvious at all. But yes, he's got a glove on and he really hides it. Yeah. So, but the fact that he couldn't do like Len Dawson, uh, the former <laughs> chief legend, yeah. and do it in the. <laughs> In this, in the locker room. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two from that game. He like he sneaks it up his up to his face and then hits the vape pen. <laughs> could, could he not have just been blowing on his fingers to keep it warm? He's no. got gloves on. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> okay. From the same game, a moment that's just transcended everything. Tony Romo had an interesting game. Yeah. When Tony Romo called Josh Allen Mr. January in the beginning of the game, I thought Twitter, I thought Elon Musk was going to add ad servers. <laughs> so many people were making fun of him. Dude, how could you call Josh Allen Mr. January? I thought it, it was, was one of the weirdest comments. 
I, I just did not understand what he was talking about. Okay, th- I, I think this is a famous one, but it might just be a New York thing when once famously George Steinbrenner called Dave Winfield Mr. May. And okay. It was, this, it was saying it to be a jerk, obviously. No, because- no. Tony Romo had, like, given all these stats about how good Josh Allen was in the playoffs. But Josh Allen has not gotten to the Super Bowl. How can you possibly call him Mr. January? Dude, at one point, Romo said, you got the champs on the ropes. It's like, Tony, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I mean, I know they didn't win, but, you know, they're the two seed. It's like, then just say that. They got the two seed on the ropes. I mean, for us superstitious folk, yeah. that one was a real yeah. killer. I love that. Mr. Mister Jerry was great. Okay, uh, <laughs> a couple more. More of a social media thing than an actual football thing. Now, this was a huge play. Uh, when the Bengals... We're able to strip the ball from Tyler Huntley, and Sam Hubbard ran it back yep. for a 99-yard touchdown. Was everybody thinking the same thing? Oh, no. I hope that this Bengals guy, Marcus Bailey, does not block Mark Andrews in the back. back. So yep. the Ravens tight end is just hauling <laughs> down the field. It's one of the most incredible things you've ever seen. And... I swear, he hit him in the shoulder, and it looked like a block in the back that was going to ruin one of the most dramatic plays in playoff history. That's funny. I thought you were going to say turf monster. Like, that's what was going to happen. I was like, don't trip, but he didn't. (laughs) He was solid. Yeah, so that was crazy. He probably did hit him in the back. They could have called it, but this happened during the season against the Patriots in the Patriots-Jets game, and they didn't call it. They were not going to call that, right? No, they were not going to call that. He would have to basically like get out a, a broom and just like take it through his legs and somehow to call block in the back or something. Uh, okay, same game, same play. Tyler Huntley was pretty close to the uh, end zone, wouldn't you say? Eh. In football terms, I thought he was. it was like a foot and a half. According to the chip in the football, this is from Next Gen Stats, a big company. According to the chip in the football, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line. Oh, so, wow. It yeah, got that was, close? Oh, he was really close. In fact, he, I mean, listen, the camera angle, he could have made it. Could have made an argument. You could see he was Yeah, short. wait a minute. Po- but, yeah, 0.6 yards is two feet? No, 1.8 feet. Yeah, 1.8 feet. He was a half a yard away from the end zone. Look at it again. He was really close. Yeah. I mean, they started feet, a yard he was out. a half a yard away. That's not that close. So here it's, football, we think about inches, like being close. Yeah, he was like a, it was yeah, but it was still a half a yard away. He was at the away. one yard line. He got to the half yard line. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he got it halfway. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's not what was interesting about this tweet at all. Oh, okay. You guys are missing point. Oh, did you guys know there was a chip in the football? Because I didn't know that. You know who else did? Not. Every single NFL writer on Twitter was like, "There's a chip in the football." Since when? And why are we still moving the chains? Then I have no idea. No, neither did anybody else. So How America come? went nuts yesterday about there being a chip in the football because they've never ex- expressly explained the chip in the football. Now, I wasn't surprised. It sounded like something they would do. Yeah. They put chips in the shoulder pads. They've chips all over the field. So there's a chip in the football. What are we doing with the chain? So then get these chain gang guys out of here. I can explain. So I was reading a few things about it. So there's a plus minus era, margin of error of six inches for the football. So it's really just used for like graphics, animation, for, for next-gen stats, for yeah. all those different varieties of, like, how fast the ball goes. But it can't be, it's not precise enough yet to be used instead of the chain gang. Yeah, because we know the two six 60-year-old dudes who are, you know, doing the chains on the side. Six that, inches that, is a big deal, though. That's yeah. a big deal. No, I get I mean, it. Was, the, the Bills were six inches short of the first down. They called it a first down to end the game. So, like, let's be honest. No, and in fact, I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because that was a first down. Anyway, continue, Perla. Okay, uh, 
I got two more that are just flat out tweets. Okay. And they're San Diego slash L.A. Char- sorry, L.A. Chargers related, although there's a San Diego vibe to these. Okay. Our buddy Brian Curtis, formerly The Ringer, tweeted, Tens of angry Chargers fan wandering Aww. through L.A. streets tonight. <laughs> just cracked me up. <laughs> Tens Do- of dozens, angry fans. Yeah. But the real Chargers tweet that I noticed, I thought it, I read the tweet. And I said, this has got to be Skip Bayless, right? Or is it maybe Stephen A. or Cowherd? It is clearly a hot take artist. Brandon Staley stinks, but Justin Herbert is also so damn overrated. (laughs) Both can be and are true. Is that Skip Bayless? No. It is at Stuart Kovacs, CBS, our own Stu Kovacs. (laughs) Skip Kovacs is now your name. Spitting fire on Twitter. (laughs) Explain your thinking behind this tweet. It is, I am so proud of you that I kind of agree with you. What happened right. here? Like, what what took you over? Why did you tweet this on Saturday night? Brandon Staley stinks, but Justin Herbert is also so damn overrated. That's, a, ra- that's a Raider fan. And are true. It's a little bit of a Raider fan, but also I've seen this guy so much, and Staley gets all the criticism, which he deserves. But at the same time, I watch this guy play quarterback. People anoint him as a top five, top six quarterback, and I just don't see it. I'm not saying he's bad. He's obviously a top 10 quarterback, but to put him in the same conversation as Allen and Mahomes, I'm like, what are we doing? Wow. Stu, I love it. Honestly, Uh, like, I'm a little worried about your mic right now. That thing might just (laughs) spontaneously combust. This is hot. I, listen, I think that Herbert does deserve some criticism for that. Of course he does. I mean, listen, it's not his fault that the run game just couldn't get going. It, to me, it wasn't that they didn't go to the run game enough, which they didn't. But, like, Eckler couldn't get anything. Kelly couldn't get Nothing, anything. No. no, they could barely get to the line. I, it was it was rough. Now, I think that's more on the offensive play calling. Like, how are you not designing more creative things, right, to try to get the ball in, you know, they they tried well, uh, very little. Now, it, not, 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 I'm not talking about, like, trick plays and stuff like that. I'm talking, like, they had no, no screens, no jet yeah. sweeps, no nothing. I saw that all weekend. A lot of teams could not even get the ball to the line of scrimmage on a run play. The Dolphins couldn't. They ran for about two yards a play. The, yeah. the Bills barely could. The Bengals could not get positive yards in their run game at all, which cost them. But I'm just curious. I actually talked to Maggie before the show and showed her Stu's tweet. <laughs> she said, oh, yeah, <laughs> Stu's like that on soccer weekends, just, just oh. tweeting out. Angry, sort of, not angry, but sort of. Yeah, it's usually angry. It could yeah. be angry. It definitely could be angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did yes. not know this. I, I did not know that was I in you. I think, I, well, I didn't want, I, I don't want you to stop doing it, but I think that we have uh, our own Skip Kovacs here oh, on no. the show, and I think that we need to start <laughs> mining some of Stu's takes. <laughs> By the way, for the listener out there, there is definitely a, a reddish hue around Stu's face. Yeah. No, it's just not <laughs> not comfortable being this hot take guy, but, no, but I love it. I think it's just like it's in the moment. You're thinking it, you tweet yeah. it, you know, and, and I don't think you're wrong. Is there anyone out there who's giving no blame to Justin Herbert who just thinks that? Uh, I don't think Herbert's taking I think Staley's taking so much blame for this, but I, I no one else is saying as suited. Both can be and are true. I love the construction there. It's, I would say Staley's getting 90% of the heat. Would, would you agree with that? Well, I mean, I think he deserves Yeah, He deserves the lion's well, share of Lombardi it. also getting a lot of heat. Both the offense can be true. Um, no, I mean, Lombardi <laughs> should have been out long ago. Yeah, there's a lot of reports that they're going to look closely at getting rid of the coordinators. Good uh, for you. Coordinator. Look closely. What does that do? That's like more inaction. I mean, honestly, you have... Like, listen, I think Herbert is a great quarterback, but we're not seeing the full thing. It's clear, right? He's got incredible arm, 
But somehow this offense at times looks so impossible. And not having Mike Williams, I think, was a big reason. And I think that obviously Staley deserves the all the uh, the blame for that. But there's got to be a way that this can look easier here with Herbert. And it doesn't at all. Everything, their offense is such a grind. I don't think it's that much easier with Mike Williams. I mean, a Mike Williams play is usually a 50-50 ball. <laughs> Mike Williams totally jumps over two guys and comes down with it. You're right. It, it doesn't look... Remember, if you got Sean Payton, Drew Brees with throwing to guys who are schemed wide open. Justin Herbert never That's gets that. That's what I'm saying. It, right. Why does it not look a little bit easier? Because... I mean, and, hell, it looked easier for Daniel Jones yesterday. I mean... Well, if it's Justin Herbert had faced the Vikings. The Vikings defense... Do they even have a defensive coach? I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no. Once Mike, they fired Mike Zimmer, they were like, actually, we're not going to play any defense. One of my picks was the under, this dumbest under in Vikings Giants. Yeah. So I was screaming at my TV, why are you not covering TJ Hawkinson? The Vikings tight end just got every first down. And the Giants. Well, they that's were because about, the Giants' safeties and linebackers are not that great. The Giants were 85% on third down. The New York Giants. I know. Are they that <laughs> prolific on third down, and I didn't know about this? They had a game yesterday, and the Vikings helped them because yeah, the Vikings I, are terrible. Yeah, but Week I, 18, my guy, Nate Peterman, torched that Vikings pass defense, so let's be realistic. What um, Did you go 2-1 and one this week? Uh, I went 2-1, and one, yes. How'd and you I also went 2-1. and one. If anyone wasn't listening last week, Perloff and I are dead tied at a dead lock heading into the playoffs, and now we're still tied. So this, I went two and one too. Stressful, but actually, you know what? We're both above five hundred, and if I end up above five hundred, I'm fine. That's what you consider a successful season. Absolutely. Let's go to the phones eight five five two one two four CBS. How about Keith is in Tucson? Wants to talk about the Niners' quarterback situation. Keith, what's up? Actually, it's not just the Niners. I got a question for you. So I'm taking in consideration what the Jets did with Wilson, and even what the Niners did with Lance. Should teams actually start paying more attention to quarterbacks like Brock Purdy that spend four years in their system or even playing games? I, it, yeah. it just seems like it's more advantageous. I get it, Shanahan's offense, because if you took Daniel Jones and put him with the Niners, I think it's pro quarterback, uh, you know, all pro quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of guys oh, will be yeah. all pros with the Niners, Keith, but I get your point. And I'd like to see about data games on that. played in college. Yeah, I'd like to see data on that because the, I mean, look at the the biggest stars all come out early, right? Just, what kind of except for Justin Herbert, who stays for four years? Um, well, but he's saying like a Brock Purdy. Like, should that guy be yeah. given more consideration? But um, for every Brock Purdy, there's I don't know. There's probably ten four year, five foot eleven quarterbacks who did not make it. I understand that. Um, I think it is all more about circumstance. Let's see. Uh, 21, I think he played like 30 or something starts in college or games, I guess, for Zach Wilson. Uh, not that many. What I was thinking about that is, you know, because like the COVID year kind of messed things up where you could have like a Stetson Bennett is 25 years old. He's still in college. You have guys who've been there for six years, like a Hendon Hooker. Right. I thought that that would not scare me off if I was a general manager. You know, having someone who's been in multiple systems and who is a little bit older, I mean, obviously the injury history isn't good for now for Herndon, uh, Hendon Hooker, but, like, I think that's a plus for me mm. as opposed to having, like, a 22-year-old or 23-year-old guy. I don't mind somebody who's 25 or 26. 855 right, but look at who the, who the top quarterbacks going to be this year. It's going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis. Now, Levis transferred, so... I don't know how old he is, but generally that's 
they're, you're not seeing the older guys. Okay, Levis is 23. And, and by the way, I don't understand how he's going to be a top 10 pick. <laughs> I'm not sure. 855-212-4CBS. We are on CBS Sports Radio, of course, Sirius XM Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and we are cooking on YouTube. YouTube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. You can click on the live link. That's where you'll find us. And the chat is just, it's just, it's awesome. You guys are doing a great job. Nick in Texas, of course, our buddy Nick Stu saying, you're now Lin-Manuel Skip Stu Kovacs. <laughs> I like <laughs> your mouthful. nickname, uh, Just, Dis- Disco Stu. Or somebody put well, out Disco that Stu. That was from The Simpsons, but we can adopt it over here. Yeah. What do you think of that one? Disco Stu is fine. I think Skip Kovacs is now who you are yeah, after I, the I hot day. So. Skip Kovacs yeah. is pretty good, too. I might have to go into Twitter bio, unfortunately. <laughs> there you go. Your alter ego. Uh, okay, we got a lot to do. Very good against the grain, Perloff. Absolutely loved it. We're going to start getting into the Cowboys and the Bucks in a little bit, plus coming up the most inexcusable thing we saw this weekend. We'll get to that in just a minute. After this CBS Sports update for Mitch Ackerman. <laughs> Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. We were just debating whether Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach, really was vaping on the sideline. <laughs> Maggie wisely pointed out there's got to be a stadium policy against that. Now, I think lo- there's probably a, a no tobacco of any kind, right? I don't know. In the I, I'm not sure that. Oh, does that Buffalo. apply to employees? The other thing that's funny, okay, he got a lot of heat because he didn't know it was fourth down because someone in the booth had said that they'd gotten the first down, so they had a delay game that put them at a crucial fourth and one to fourth and six. Yeah. There wasn't a single play from scrimmage where Skylar Thompson was not battling that play clock. I mean, at a certain point, I'm, I was yelling at the Dolphins, are you, are you not seeing a countdown? How can you be in the NFL and not understand that you're going to get delay a game? Um, not only that, I thought the refs were kind of generous on a couple of those and actually didn't throw the flag when they could have gotten more delay of games. And that's not me just being salty Bills fan. I really thought they got away with a couple. That's why the thing with Mike McDaniels, like... I. I think he's a he's obviously a good coach, right? And I he, he navigated I his way so. with a with a third string quarterback and they were definitely put a scare into the Bills and probably should have won that game. But then after the wait, game Wait, 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 probably should have won that game. Well it would have been on one the, it would have been one of the widest yardage discrepancies for a winning team in the history of the NFL. They got destroyed. No, I I know, but it didn't feel like they were getting destroyed the they, whole game. They got three in the points. second half. It did not feel like they were getting. They destroyed. averaged three point three yards per play in the game. That's okay. nothing. That's bad. I know, but when the Bills are going three and out and three and out, it didn't matter. I'm so telling you, I I the totally Bills are averaging zero yards per play. I totally disagree with you based on the fact that it was dying to get in on some action where I thought the the line with the live line was going to go down to zero. Yeah. And it would never got within. It never got lower than six point favorites for the Bills. Well, probably because one quarterback is a MVP candidate, and the other one is a third string, you know, seventh rounder. But here, here's the thing though about McDaniel, it's just like after the fact to come out with, we thought we got the first down, and then we had to scramble. It's like, well, what was your excuse for the this entire drive? Like that, the entire game. It, it doesn't the like entire- hold water. From and, the first quarter on, it was a battle to, every time. And to be honest, like sometimes he's done this throughout the season, most notably with the Tua has a back injury, it's not a concussion, where he stands up there and says these things, and it's like, guy, there's no way that anyone's buying what you are trying to trying to sell right now. Wait, so what's a lie in this one? I don't understand. Well, I don't know if it's a lie, but it's like if that was the issue on that particular fourth and one, you were having issues getting the play in right, right. the oh, entire good point, drive. Good you know, it's like I'm not accusing him of lying. I'm just saying some things he says after the fact are just like not 
I don't know. They just don't seem to square with like the reality. I'm so sorry. I keep coming back to these numbers, but explain this to me. Skylar Thompson was 18 for 46 for 220 yards. I mean, that's got to be the worst line we've seen for a quarterback. Yeah. And and then their lead running back, Jeff Wilson Jr., was 10 carries for 23 yards. Perloff, I know how you, did they you get? Want- how did they? <laughs> how are they in this game? I just don't get it. Because the Bills' biggest opponent are the Bills. I like that line. And I like it. It's true. Now, this week it's going to be the Bengals and the actual Bengals. Now, it might actually it might be a combination of the Bengals and the Bills, but in this game, the Bills were their own worst enemy. And when Stefan Diggs and and to be honest, let's credit the Dolphins for taking Diggs out of the game. He had 114 pa- uh receiving yards all in the first half. Okay, Most then in the first quarter. Actually. Then Gabe Davis had 113 receiving yards. All um, a lot on one I mean, play. The big tu- the the deep touch touchdown. So anyway, which the Dolphins were begging them to take those shots, which was smart on the Dolphins. Yeah, they tried for the explosive, and what happens, especially when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole, is it stops the clock. Eight five five two one two four. They scored thirty four points. You cannot blame the offense on a, on a game where you score thirty four points. Although you did give some of those points to the Dolphins. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right, yeah the fumble <laughs> and the scoop and score. I mean, you're, are you trying to convince me that like what? I'm not sure what you're trying, I'm trying to, to tell you. That game of. was not as close. That the that that game never felt as close to me. You said it felt like you started the segment by saying it felt like the Dolphins should have won that game. When they have, there's no should have won that game. First of all, they were at the forty four yard line in the game. I, I don't know. Do you honestly okay. think there were two minutes left? You don't think Josh Allen could have found a way to score and win that game? So with so first of all, they only had one timeout also because Sean McDermott was blo- was burning timeouts early on in the half, which I didn't understand. He didn't like something with the defense, how it looked, but it ended up not mattering because both plays got broken up. Um, they get the ball back. The Bills do with 8.23 left, and it's 34-31. They go on a six-play drive where – it ends there on a third and 11 where Josh Allen takes a nine yard sack. They punt it away, get it back to Miami with 424 left to go. Yeah, you are handing Miami at the 14 because it was a good punt. Yes, yeah, Scott, you're handing the ball to Skylar Thompson at the 14. You might say, ooh, this is good because our defense is going to get a pick like last time we pinned him down here. That is not a scary situation. I'm sure the ESPN win probability was 70% towards the Bills. No, but they had – the point is is that they had a chance trailing by three with the ball in the offense's hands. With the with offense had not done anything all day long. They went long. on a seven-play drive, and obviously the bad penalty is what killed them. The delay of game took it from a fourth and one – to a fourth and five, and the pass to Gasecki was incomplete. Yeah, I, I just never was. I never thought the Dolphins were on the verge of putting that away. I, I think a lot of people were smelling upset here. Eight five five two one two four. I want people to call him because honestly, I, I'd like to hear people who really thought the Dolphins. Because my Twitter feed, nobody, everyone was saying, "Can I get in the live line on the Bills?" Because the Bills were clearly winning this game. Everybody said that. I know, but how could you say that you're you thought that they had this the whole time when the spread on the game was fourteen, right? By the time right. it closed, and they won by three. Right, and but the live line never got below six. That was people, and trying. that killed me too. By the way, because I knew I I, I I put in some money on six and a half, and the Bills were up thirty four thirty one. I'm like, oh no, if the Bills get it back, they're just going to run out the clock. I'll never get bigger than three. Yeah. So I was, well, never did anyway. Yeah. And even overtime <laughs> could, could be bigger than six. I, I think the Bills just did not wake up. And if they had ever needed to wake up in that game, they would have. And Josh Allen would have just run for five. Do you think the Bengals also didn't wake up because of Huntley? I think the Bengals game was a totally different game. Honestly, I, I felt like that was a much, much 
closer game. I thought that was a more dangerous situation for the Bengals. Uh, I mean, listen, I, you, you're right. You were right. I was totally wrong. I thought it was going to be a blowout. But I do feel like Cincinnati was playing with fire in a different way than the Bills were. Let's go to the phones, 855-212-4CBS. Jared is in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Jared, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. What do you have on the Dolphins? Uh, well, I'm a diehard Dolphins fan Yeah. all my life. And I think, I first of all, I thought they were going to get crushed in this game, obviously. But I think that the Dolphins really did have a shot to win this thing because even in the very beginning, like the first drive, uh, Tyreek Hill missed a bad, uh, dropped a catch, and so did Jalen Waddle, which would have totally changed the game from yep. the very start. So a that couple, was a couple, a, a couple very different. uncharacteristic drops, especially from Waddle. Right, and there, I think what kept the game so close too was just the crazy turnovers and some of the crazy plays that happen that you don't usually see in games. So. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Jared, thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, with Josh Allen, you kind of do see the turnovers. <laughs> you know, the interceptions, you know, obviously not all his fault, but then to fumble the ball and have the Miami defender pick it up and that run was it for a little, the touchdown. I that mean, was a bit wild to me that that guy, <laughs> I didn't think that big guy could pick it up and run it. Like, that was very athletic. It was a nice play. 855-212-4CBS, <laughs> 855-212-4227. Coming up, Wild Card Weekend is going to go out. With a big old bang tonight. Bucks, Cowboys. Plus more of your phone calls. See you guys in the chat. If you want to get on board, you can go to youtube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. Of course, you can listen to us coast to coast and all of our amazing affiliates as well. We got so much more for you. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff right after this.